This podcast is brought to you by St. Mary's Academy Podcast. Here is a message from our sponsors. Hey, you there. You want a good deal on new used cars? Tired of car dealerships lying to you? Tired of buying cars that are way too overpriced? Come to your local You Want Cars for incredible sales and deals on cars. Save over $4,000 by visiting You Want Cars. You know you want to. And welcome to episode 4 of the Dynastic Duo. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Katya. During the past few weeks, we've been exploring aspects of the Yuan Dynasty. But today, we're going to wrap it up and we're going to summarize the span of the entire Yuan Dynasty. (laughs) I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but this dynasty spanned from 1279 to 1368 which is a considerably small time frame compared to other dynasties in China. Yeah, it lasted a little less than a century. The Yuan Dynasty is also known as the Mongol Dynasty because it was when the Mongols took over China. And it is most well known for its first leader, Kublai Khan. Yeah, this podcast will mainly be centered around Kublai Khan and his impact on the dynasty. Spoiler alert, he had an enormous impact. So primarily, he impacted China by creating public works and reorganizing the social structure. And although these were positive improvements, once he died and there were new leaders, these were two causes for the ending of the Yuan Dynasty. So let's get started after this short advertisement. Instameal! The new device that allows you to have food wherever you go at the press of a button. You want a hot dog? Boom! You got a hot dog. You want an apple? You You got got it! With Instameal's starting price at only $2,679.99, with the addition of 10 Instameal powder packets at $89.99 each, Instameal is almost sold out. Make sure to get it before we do run out. You know you want to. Come learn math with us at Math Tutors US. Get prepared for tests such as HSPT, ACT, SAT, and many more. We believe you can do it. Anyone is welcome. We are located on Mongol Avenue in Southeast Portland. Register online at mattutorsus.net. Welcome back. The Yuan Dynasty began in 1279 when Kublai Khan took control of the Chinese government. The name Kublai Khan may remind you of Genghis Khan, but do not get these two confused because they're two different people. Yeah, uh, Genghis Khan was actually Kublai Khan's grandfather. Yes, and Genghis Khan actually did play a role in conquering China. He united the Mongols, and together they swept across China and fought with the Chinese to try to take over. Kublai Khan continued his legacy, and they finally conquered China in 1279. This may remind you of Mulan. It reminded me of Mulan. This, that's the story about a Chinese girl who fights against the Huns. Although it seems that the Huns and the Mongols are the same, sadly they aren't. The Huns are a warrior tribe that tried to take over China years later during the 3rd and 5th centuries. I was really hoping for them to be the same. <laughs> me too. So anyway, once he became an emperor, Kublai Khan emphasized his power on creating public works. Kublai Khan created the first Chinese postage system and reconstructed modern-day Beijing. By the end of his reign, he created 1,400 postage stations. Dang. And those postage systems had 50,000 horses, 8,400 oxen, 6,700 mules, 4,000 carts, 6,000 boats, 200 dogs, and 1,150 sheep. And here's a fun fact. 
A messenger could travel up to 250 miles a day. That sounds like a lot of hard work. He also created granar granaries. Lizzie, why did he create granaries again? Uh, uh, because of the high taxes he created. But why would high taxes create granaries? The Chinese people had to pay their taxes with crops, and 70% of all crops went towards taxes. Oof, that's a lot. No wonder. Yeah, it resulted in starvation, and the many wars also contributed to the starvation and disease in China. During this time in history, the plague was going around, so when new people came to China because of military or trade, they also brought the plague. This severely decreased the population. The population plummeted from 100 million people to around 80 to 60 million people. Wow, that's a lot. That's about 20 to 30 percent of the population. I know. The abundance of trade came from the Grand Canal. The Grand Canal was extended during the Yuan Dynasty and is currently the longest and oldest canal in the world. It is also a UNESCO World Heritage Site. During the Yuan Dynasty, the canal was used often. Not only was it used for trade, but it was also used for the transportation of grain to the capital. And because Kublai Khan was the first to enforce the countrywide use of paper money, the economic growth in China skyrocketed. That's right. International trade flourished, and during this time, a lot of people came from Europe to trade. Including Marco Polo. Ah, the well-known Marco Polo. For those of you who do not know who Marco Polo is, he was an Italian trader who came to China in 1275. His journey from Italy to China took four years. And he came to China to deliver gifts from the Pope to the Emperor Kublai Khan. While he was in China, he traded and reported to Kublai Khan about his empire. He told about him about local customs, business conditions, and events, and Kublai Khan sent him on many missions to find information. Kublai Khan liked Marco Polo so much that he didn't let him go home until Kublai Khan was on his deathbed. So Kublai Khan contributed by creating public works, and this made China's economy improve immensely. Exactly. He created granaries, the Grand Canal, and also enforced a unified currency. Let's see what else he did after this short break. So not only did Kublai Khan create public works, he also impacted and reorganized the social structure. When Kublai Khan gained power over China, he began his reign with setting restrictions on the people of China. The Chinese weren't allowed to carry weapons, and Mongols and Chinese were not allowed to marry. This created a distance between the Chinese and the Mongols. And the negative opinion on Mongols intensified. Traditionally, the Chinese viewed the Mongols as killers and destroyers. They believed that they were people who maimed and robbed. Which is appropriate since the Mongols conquered China. True. He reorganized the social structure into four parts. The first part being the Mongols, and the second part being miscellaneous aliens. Then the, then the Chinese, and then the Southern Sung, which were on the bottom of the social pyramid, and were considered untrustworthy. The poor Southern Sung. In government, he wanted to include the Chinese people, but he didn't want to use them. So he included some Chinese government positions, but they weren't influential and were all lower positions. Becoming a writer or artist became very popular during this Chinese dynasty, primarily for two reasons the benefits, and because it was one of the only professions. Lizzie, would you want to be an artist? Definitely. Why? 
because during this time they be basically became celebrities. Well then, sign me up. <laughs> there was an influx in writing and artistry because many people became unemployed. This is because being a scholar or civil servant, a, pos a popular job, and being Chinese was nearly impossible. Why was that? Because, like I said earlier, the Mongols didn't want the Chinese to have power. Oh. The writers during this time wrote about the conflict between Confucian ideals and human passion, and this theme was the foundation for many Chinese plays. And becoming a writer or artist had many benefits. They had freedom from unpaid labor, tax remissions, and had a higher social status, so everyone tried to become one. And artisanship reached new heights during the Yuan Dynasty. Check out our second episode to learn more about Chinese artisanship, where we analyze two artworks, the Bodhisattva statue and the plate with carp. As we said before, the Southern Sun were the lowest class. And since they were the lowest class, they mostly became laborers. And because of all the advancements, forced labor and the exploitation of poor was not an uncommon occurrence. That's sad. There was a lot of labor needed for all the projects that Kublai Khan created. He needed workers for the extension of the Grand Canal, the postage system, and to the reconstruction of modern-day Beijing. A majority of this labor was unpaid. Well, all leaders have their upsides and downsides, I guess. Yeah, unfortunately. I guess Kublai Khan bit off a little more than China could chew because all these advancements had a lot of upkeep and costed a lot of money. Once Kublai Khan died and his predecessors became emperors, they began to lose their grip on the public works. By the time Tagon Timur became emperor, there were many issues. First, Grand Canal flooded multiple times due to the lack of maintenance. There were bad harvests, droughts, and disease outbreaks. Another factor contributing to the end of the Yuan Dynasty was the tension between the Mongol emperors and China. They also had tension with Mongolia. Because of the high taxes and high funding for public works projects, there wasn't enough money to maintain the Grand Canal and water systems. This resulted in strong floods during the 1340s, leading to a large homeless population and many rebel groups protesting against the failure of maintenance. Sounds like bad news. And Lizzie, as you said, there was a lot of stress between Mongols and the emperors. The Mongols began to believe that the emperors became too Chinese. Even in Kublai Khan's time, the Mongols thought he was becoming too Chinese, and he often had to ease the tension at one point, and at one point had to send an army to reclaim the capital of Kara... Karakoram. Yeah, so this was an ongoing conflict. But the main reason for the downfall of the Yuan dynasty was the rebel groups. The rebels were protesting against the maintenance issues, and this disrupted the rice trade, which caused an influx in food prices. I find it kind of funny, because the way Tagon Timur thought he could solve this problem was to... Print more money! <laughs> but it kind of backfired on him, because it just caused inflation. Surprisingly, not only did the Chinese revolt, the Mongols did too. So it was going from both sides. The Mongols were revolting because they believed that the emperor wasn't being Mongolian enough. But Tagon Timur was only trying to be Chinese because he wanted to stop the further separation between the Chinese and the Mongols. And he tried to do this by banning the Mongolian language. Which further angered the Mongols. All this rebellion decreased Tagon Timur's power and he was eventually driven out of China, which sparked the Ming Dynasty. Dynasties usually end when the family tree ceases to continue. But in this case, it was the loss of power due to the loss of control over the Chinese and Mongol people. And sadly, 
we have come to the end of our podcast and the end of our series. Hopefully you enjoyed our Yuan Dynasty series. Today was super fun. And hopefully you learned a lot. I sure did. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in for future podcasts. And goodbye. Goodbye.